Thank you for tuning in and welcome to the Auto Guys show brought to you by eBay Motors. I am one of your hosts, Mike Schley. And I'm the other host, Kyle Patrick. So today we're going to talk about uh, a big Mercedes SUV, a really big Wagoneer SUV. We're going to talk to Acura about the upcoming ZDX. We'll answer a question that doesn't really have an answer, and we will give you a little preview of what's to come ahead. But first, let's get a word from our sponsor. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a driveway entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with the eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. So today we're going to do the usual. We'll talk about some of the reviews, including a Mercedes and some other things. We are going to go through the highlight of the news for the last week. We'll have Acura USA here to talk about the upcoming ZDX. We'll answer a question that uh, might have a tricky answer, and then we'll give you a little preview of what's coming up next. So to start, let's go with what we did over the past week. All right. Well, Mike, I think that's you to start. Yeah, so Monday we put out the Mercedes-AMG EQE SUV. This I had for two weeks, which is a bit longer than normal. I had it over the Christmas holidays, and then, Kyle, you had it for a couple days. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a very interesting vehicle. I think a lot of people were expecting it to to be this crazy, you know, Tesla Plaid Model X competitor. But I think what it is is more so what a buyer will want. I mean... It does zero to 60 in, you know, maybe 3.2 seconds, which doesn't touch, say, a Rivian or a Tesla. But people need to understand that sort of acceleration and force to someone who's not used to being in cars. It's like pretty violent. I took a lot of family and friends out and not even doing the full race start, just pressing down on the accelerator at low speeds. It would disorientate them. Some of them even felt nauseous. So, I mean, like that extra second, does it matter when you can't even use what you got? Um Like, did you have a chance to really hammer it? Uh, So I was not able to do race start uh, because the car actually wouldn't let me. It kept uh, giving me a message that it just wasn't available. I'm wondering if maybe it's because I was driving it at a lower charge. Uh, But yeah, I I did do what you just mentioned and it's more than quick enough. And I want to say it feels at least as quick as any gas AMG, right? Because it's all instant access. So uh, yeah, I... I don't need a two point something zero to 60. I think I'm pretty okay. And I think uh, the most shocking thing for me is I'm not personally a fan of how this thing looks, but when I saw a family member over the holidays, they were literally jaw drop excited about seeing this in person. They said it looked amazing. So um, that was uh, that was an interesting experience for me and, and really a nice thing to remind us that sometimes we're a little too involved in the industry and we don't get regular people's opinions on what vehicles are as often as maybe we should. And so, yeah, I I think it was um, an interesting vehicle, but not the sort that I was expecting when I got into it. Yeah. I also had a a family friend uh, who went crazy about what it looked like. And I agree. I don't think it's uh, all that great looking. Um, I love the wheels, but on the whole package i'm not so sure uh, just with the race start yeah there's many conditions that have to be met not that i ever tried it because it could only be used on a 
closed course, but you need a certain amount of charge. You have to press the brake pedal hard enough. You have to have the battery warmed up in the right mode. So there's a lot. But when you do engage race start, leading to the point of what I think uh, an electric AMG really is, is it's, it's the showman. It really is flashy. It just tries to like dazzle the driver, passengers, even people outside. If you do race start, it starts shaking back and forth. Like you're getting ready to launch a rocket and it makes this huge spaceship noise. And then when you let go of the brake, of course it fires off. But if you have the um, AMG sounds on inside, it actually audibly lets out a huge sound outside of a spaceship taking off. So everyone around you will look and be like, what is that? And then the lights, like you turn the car off at night and about 20 feet in front of the car, there's a, a Mercedes logo and an AMG logo lit up on the ground. Um, it does like a dance too when you turn it on and off. Like there's just a lot of, a lot of things to hopefully let owners know, you know, you spend a lot of money on this because it's, it's different. Um, handling wise it's it's a big heavy vehicle so it's not bare and the the beauty of amgs before was that sound especially from the v8 so they tried to make some synthetic noises and i'm not really a fan of all of them and some of them are too loud but it, it is what it is mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right so moving on this yeah. was you yeah so uh so i guess i'll i'll do a one two here where i had a car for review, and then also went and checked out a upcoming car, which I'll be driving um, in the near future, let's just say. Uh, so I went and took a look at the 2024 Genesis G70. And the big news here, I mean, this is a sports sedan that's been around for a while. We really enjoy it. And with the Kia Stinger, which is related to this, uh, sort of passing on for uh, 2024, the G70 benefits because it gets a new base engine. So we're looking at a 2.5 liter turbo four now, which is in every other Genesis model. And that really helps this produce a lot more power. I think it's the most standard horsepower for a compact sports sedan now. And I mean, they haven't changed much of the looks because I think it looks great as is. I don't think it really needed any changes. There's a few tech changes inside. I poked around. It's like a refresh, right? It's, it's nothing major. But I really think this will help keep the G70 really fresh in people's minds. And it's a big deal for Genesis because it's their smallest, most affordable model. So, you know, it's, it's an entry point for a lot of people into the brand. And nowadays, with the SUV being so popular, I think this is a very deliberate choice. And so people want more of a sporty drive, right? And so they've put standard Brembos on for 2024 and stuff like that, where I'm really excited about driving it because, well, it's a it's a sports sedan. It speaks to me. It's the sort of vehicle that I really enjoy. So, Mike, I mean, you weren't there. You weren't able to make it for the preview. But, um, you know, as a, as a looker from afar, what do you think? Yeah, like full disclosure, I've never driven a G70. Oh. I uh, didn't get a, a ride in the first gen, so I'm looking forward to this one. The thing that uh, strikes me as kind of crazy is I remember when BMW first started putting in the turbo six cylinders that made 300 horsepower in the three series how that was crazy and now here we are with that class starting at 300 horsepower um i mean it's great things have advanced but it's just crazy how times have changed it's true yeah yeah and so uh i'll move on to the next thing which um was it's funny both of us had electric vehicles over the holidays so i had the 2024 volvo xc40 recharge and the interesting thing for this one was that it was the single motor and that in itself is a little strange because Volvo actually did uh, a really unusual move. And I don't think anyone's done this in years. They moved it from front drive to rear drive. 
and that makes this the first rear drive Volvo this century. Yeah, this century. Uh, 248 horsepower, you know, nothing crazy, but a lot more range than before. And on winter tires, I mean, it was plenty fine in what we had a pretty mild winter anyway, right? Over the holidays, there wasn't really a lot of snow. But I really, really enjoyed this car. I feel like the XC40 is still just such a ideal size for a place like Toronto. We drove all over Southern Ontario visiting family for the holidays. It was never a problem outside of the uh, annoying infotainment, which I'm not a big fan of. Um, range was good and it's just comfortable. It's just a, a really smart little package. I will say at the end of it though, uh, I'm a little worried that the XC40 might be overshadowed this year with Volvo's new entry-level EX30. So that's a smaller um, EV that has been built from the ground up as an EV. And so while it's barely smaller, it has more or less the same space inside. It has really good range and power figures. And the big kicker is the really affordable price tag. That thing will start in the mid-30s in the US, whereas this you're looking at you know 20 grand more. Yeah. Um... It's the beauty of electric vehicles, being able to put sort of the drive wheels wherever you want. I think uh, way in the future when batteries and motors are just kind of sitting around, people will be doing that with a lot of old cars. They'll be making all-wheel drive Mustangs and things like that. But for the time being, I mean, the only other one that's kind of doing something similar, I guess, is Chevy is going to do that with the Blazer, where they're, allegedly there's going to be a front wheel, a rear wheel, and an all-wheel. And I think that could be the first vehicle to come with all three possibilities at the same time. Uh, I drove this very briefly when we did a little trade at the end, and I uh, I was surprised. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's quick enough. It's very easy to drive. It's very nimble, um, mainly because of its size. And I think we're so used to EVs being so heavy. Like, this is still heavy for its size, but it's not terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, and even with all that electric torque, the, you, the wheels on the rear stay planted. Like, even in the wet, they weren't breaking loose. So there's not any sort of fear that it's going to be, you know, a nightmare in the snow. I mean, as long as you drive normally you'd be fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's a, it's a really appealing little package. The, the tough thing too is actually, it's sort of its own worst enemy in the sense that the all-wheel drive is, it's something like $2,500 extra or something yeah. to get a lot more power. You lose a little bit of range, but I mean, if you're spending this much money on a vehicle, I imagine most people will end up going with the all-wheel drive. But if you aren't, or if you're in a warmer climate and don't need it, um, yeah, I highly recommend the XC40. It was great. Yeah, even in the snow as a, person who drives a Genesis coupe with an open differential all winter. It's a lot of fun. Just, just get used to it. Yeah. All right. So we'll move on to the final review of the week. This is the Jeep Grand Wagoneer L Series 3 4x4. So even though this vehicle just came out last year, there's been a big change this year, and that is under the hood. So gone is the 6'4 Hemi, and in its place is the new... Hurricane 3.0 inline six turbo. And in this vehicle, it makes 510 horsepower, which is incredible. I mean, for the size and class, it doesn't sound that crazy. I mean, you have BMWs and Mercedes making more, but you got to remember, this is a three liter six cylinder. This is more power than even the BMW M3 CS makes. And everyone goes crazy about that three liter inline six. In the Ram, it's going to make 540 even more. Like it's, it's crazy when you drive it. It, it sounds okay. I mean, you definitely miss the old Hemi V8 noise, but it doesn't sound terrible. And the power is always there. This thing weighs almost 7,000 pounds from what I remember. I think it was 6,700 pounds. And it still takes off 
like with authority. It's on adjustable suspension, but it still kind of sits up and goes. And even on the highway, you can get up to speed. Now, I, I never had it fully loaded with seven or eight people, but even when you had five in there, it doesn't feel it because you're not really changing that much of the weight. Mm-hmm. Um, this specific one being the Series 3 had every sort of option. So although it's a six-figure vehicle, it's designed to compete against Escalades and Navigators, and it fully does. I mean, towing, luxury, power, it's, it's all there. It actually beats the other two with towing as well. Uh, there's there's a, a couple things that it doesn't do as good, but this had the um, entertainment package, which meant each middle row passenger had its their own entertainment screen, and there was one built into the dash for the passenger, and all of them used Fire TV, and they could all be hooked up to a different streaming service or whatever you want through the onboard Wi-Fi or through a tethered phone. And then there's two more screens in the middle console and then one more screen in the middle console for the back passengers. And I have the digital screen in front. So in total, there's seven screens, which is crazy. But um, my son, eight years old, absolutely loved this vehicle. He still talks about it because he got to watch YouTube while we're driving around. I will say trying to get my phone tethered to make the entertainment system work was a nightmare but that's pretty much true of all these none of them are that seamless yet but um the way it drove i mean to me it drove like a big body on frame suv just better and better than a lot of the competition like i i would take this probably over the other two um from memory i'd have to drive them again maybe back to back but they've done a good job for a company that basically came out of nowhere i, I mean it's existing ram parts but it's still you know an all new thing mm-hmm. yeah and i mean that makes sense that uh you, you talk about how how smooth and you know, satisfying it is as a big body on frame. And I mean, the the Ram 1500 is still like the nicest riding uh, full-size pickup out there. So they had really good bones to work from. So yeah, I mentioned that in the article because I drove the 1500 Limited, which is basically the pickup equivalent of this. It was six figures um, over 3000 miles this summer. And I was blown away at how nice it was for that. I was expecting it to be a little rougher, but you're right. It is the nicest riding vehicle of, mm-hmm. that, of that class for sure. So in the news this week, let's go through this. It's a, it's a bit of a, a mix, Mike, when we talk about uh, ICE vehicles, EVs, and hybrids, which is what I'm going to start with, with talking about the first official pictures of the 2025 Honda Civic Hybrid. Now, this doesn't look massively different from the car that we already know and love. I mean, I don't know about you, Mike, but for me, the Civic is still probably the best compact car in the segment. It's pricey, but I mean, you get what you pay for. Uh, this shows off some slight styling differences up front, but really the big thing is that hybrid engine. We know nothing about the layout. It's safe to assume it's going to be a hybrid similar to the CRV and Accord setup, but it'll probably be a smaller gas engine that pairs with the electric motor. Uh, for me, I'm really excited about the fact that Honda is going to do this in both the sedan and the hatchback shape. I don't know about you. Yeah, so... Uh, as far as what the hybrid's going to be, I mean, there's a there's a European Civic hybrid already, so I don't know how close it'll be related to that or, like you said, to this. I can't imagine they use the CRV and the Accords hybrid because that would be making more power than the SI, so that wouldn't really make sense positioning wise. So mm-hmm. I I would assume they'll use the same uh, motor components and battery components from there and probably pair it to the two liter that comes as the standard engine, or maybe um, they still have some 1.5 liters kicking around from the old HRV days, but I doubt it. But I'm looking forward to it. The, the CRV is such a good little SUV, but I wasn't overly impressed with the hybrid performance. So I'm curious what it'll be like in this. Um, 
naturally you'll have the Corolla hybrid. You'll want to, we'll want to compare it to once it comes out, but I'm still looking forward to it. Cause as you said, this is easily one of the best cars in the segment. Yeah. And I mean, it will be unique in having a hybrid with a hatchback because uh, that's not really an option right now in the segment. So yeah, I'm, I'm very curious. I'm going to see how the engine lineup changes with the addition of the 2025. And I mean, it's a smart move too, because Honda just announced that uh, Accord and CRV both were the best-selling hybrids in their segments because of this switch to making hybrid their uh, higher trims exclusively. So yeah, we'll see what it does for Civic. Yep. So moving on. Oh. That didn't work. So moving on to the next news. Uh, sad. More V8s are dying. Um, so it was announced that officially the Durango SRT is having a V8 last call, which is different than last year's Challenger Charger last calls. Um, There's going to be a, the special edition, which is in that picture, which gets basically just visual upgrades, but it's to make it unique. And then, although they haven't made it official, a document leaked from the dealers stating that the um, Wrangler 392 is going to also be discontinued after this year. And I mean, it all makes sense. The Challenger and Charger have already ditched it. We know the Ram's ditching it after this year. So these are like two specialty vehicles. So this really does look like 2024 is the last year of the, the Mopar Hemi, uh, for now at least. I mean, could always come back down the road yep. who knows but yep if you want one of these two cards better get them quick uh i'm sure in a couple of years they'll only appreciate values so could be yeah better. i'm i'm genuinely surprised that uh the 24 facelift for the wrangler actually still included the 392 i was on that launch and i mean it's a it was a pleasant surprise i know that it's very expensive and kind of silly but oh my god it sounds so good so yeah. <laughs> silly is a good word i was gonna say is there a more ridiculous car on sale today than the Wrangler 392. I mean, you got this hardcore off-roader, you got like a muscle car engine and the top comes off. Like it's just take everything of every car and jam it into one. My my favorite stat about the 392 is that on its off-road tires, it will do zero to 60 in the same time as an original Viper GTS. Yeah, that's yeah crazy. And it'll probably take twice as much gas. Probably. Oh, this is all you. Oh, this, yeah. I mean, I don't watch hockey anymore, but man, Hyundai Canada released the most Canadian of special editions with the Santa Fe NHL edition. Uh, it looks like hockey. I mean, it's a matte white car. It has black wheels. Uh, the interesting thing with this one, American listeners, is that Canadians can pick one of 500 and then customize it with uh, logos from their favorite team on the inside. And not just Canadian teams, any NHL team. So, uh, I mean, it's safe to assume that most of them will be Canadian, but I don't think it will only be. Yeah, I would say probably if you just go by population in Canada. So the Maple Leafs will have the most and the Canadians and the Canucks will be very close second kind of tied and then you know the oilers and the flames and probably be a handful of senators and jets but i'm really curious if like someone for whatever reason makes a florida panther one or a arizona coyotes uh, the the logos i think they go on the side sills and the floor mats right is that it mm -hmm. yeah yeah so then yeah. it could be interchangeable too you could you know have a friend that you both like two teams and you could switch floor mats so you get both live yeah. but uh yeah it'll be interesting because these will show up used down the road and i don't know if it'll affect resale value if you picked a if you pick like the Canadians and you're trying to sell it in Toronto or, or another, like you pick the flames, you try to sell in Edmonton, you know, in, in a rivalry city if people won't touch it. So 
Yeah, or, or maybe you've got a Detroit one, and for whatever reason, your car has a faint smell of octopus inside. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> there will be a lot of Red Wings because there's a lot of Canadians who love the Red Wings, and and you know, like the the Kings and the Range. A lot of the original teams, Blackhawks, but we'll see. Yeah. yeah. So uh, next, we'll go back to the world of EVs. So Ram introduced their first EV, and in a bit of a surprise, it wasn't the pickup truck they've been touting. Uh, this wasn't a surprise in the sense everyone knew it was coming, but I was surprised how quickly it just kind of appeared. So their um, cargo van is going to come as an EV, and you can actually configure it in different sizes and shapes. It's not a high-range EV. Um, it's well under 200 miles of total range, but it's not meant for that. It's meant for... Uh, the vans that go from, say, an Amazon or a post postal depot and are just delivering within the city. And they may be only doing 100 miles all day because they're just go stop, go stop. And then you go back home at the end of the night and plug it into the, the main hub. So it, it makes total sense. It's going to fight against, uh, I think it's the, is it the E-Transit or the Transit E? I can't remember how Ford calls it. E-Transit. E-Transit. So yeah, it's a, obviously a competitor against that. And then there's the, the bigger sort of um, one-off fans that are also being made electric. GM has um, those... Uh, Bright Drop? Bright, Bright Drop, yeah. So Bright Drop has... They're bigger, but they're also going to make a smaller one. So they're all going to compete. Um, it, it's a segment that just makes sense because these vehicles idle so much and they don't drive far. So it's like perfect for, for EV. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And moving on to our final story of the week. More EV stuff. Uh, Volkswagen um, is celebrating 75... Ugh, excuse me. Volkswagen is celebrating 75 years in the U.S. this year. And uh, they're kicking it off with a whole wide range of celebrations. They're going to be telling stories about, you know, the, the first VWs that came, people with their own personal experiences. But the big news is that they are returning to the Super Bowl. And I mean, they have a lot of very memorable Super Bowl commercials that we all enjoy. I think it's been a decade since that Darth Vader one. So okay. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to this. I assume the buzz is going to be the star for this because the buzz, the buzz is, is going to be the buzz. The buzz is going to be easily one of the, the biggest launches this year, right? I mean, it's... It's just going to be a money printing machine for VW as far as I'm concerned. I know, Mike, you put it on your list of most anticipated vehicles, and so did I, but I let you take the lead on that. So explain. Yeah, I mean, it's probably my most anticipated vehicle as a, a dad, dog owner, homeowner. It's just, if I'm going to do EV, it's got sliding doors. It's got looks that clearly look like nothing else on the road except for the original bus. And it's just, yeah, it's just going to be cool. It's polarizing. I know people who would be embarrassed to be in it because it's so flashy, but I mean, I don't care. Like that's part of the appeal to me. I I can't wait to bring it home. And I know, I know people with smaller children. This is going to be a huge deal because it just it's just cheery and looks so cool. And since they brought it back, and that picture had me thinking, it'd be really cool if they brought back the Beetle again. Not like they did the last new Beetle, but a Beetle-shaped vehicle that's really aerodynamic with a little electric motor, and it can even make it rear-wheel drive like the original. It wouldn't be wouldn't be hard to do. It's just if there's enough of market, but. It's no. like the the bones are all there, right? Like the ID four is rear engine, or uh, well, rear drive. Sorry. Uh, so like, yeah, it's... yeah, two wheel. Yeah, he just put a new body on the ID four that looks like a beetle, and yeah, print some more money. Yeah. Okay, well that's it for the news. Um, we're gonna have another word from our sponsor, and then we will be back with Jonathan Rivers from Acura to talk about the ZDX. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Do you remember your first car? I sure do. I was fresh out of university and I wanted nothing more than a car. 
So I went to some dealers with two things in mind. I wanted a Tudor coupe and I wanted a manual transmission. After looking around, I finally ended up with a 2003 Oldsmobile Alero coupe with a five-speed manual and a four-cylinder engine. A lot of people didn't understand why I bought that car, but I loved it. I would take it everywhere. I also wanted to modify it. I put a lot of parts on that didn't work. I put on some wheels and they ended up ripping apart my rear brakes and I had to get rid of them. My intake, my exhaust, my suspension, and some interior bits were all custom made. It would have helped so much if there was some sort of way that I could get guaranteed parts for my car back then. Another thing I loved to do with the car was I would take it drag racing. I would do low 15 seconds and thought I was so fast, which I wasn't. But you know what? I was having a blast and I was getting to run the car harder than I was allowed to on the street. I also went to a lot of charity car shows, road trips, and weeks up at the cottage. I had the car for almost two years until one day it was written off in a snowstorm in Detroit by a mail truck. It was a sad day and I really missed that car. One day, maybe I'll get another Alero, but for now, I'll just have good memories of this car and how much fun I had with it. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with the eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Welcome back. We are now going to talk to Jonathan Rivers, the uh, Manager of Product Planning at Acura. Hello, everyone. How's it going? Good, good. So uh, we brought you on because we want to talk about the uh, most uh, anticipated vehicle in quite some time, I think, from Acura, the ZDX. So we have a couple questions. Um, hopefully you can give us some answers. So I'll, I'll kick it off and then we'll let Kyle go. So this is obviously Acura's first all-electric vehicle. Um, you have hybrid vehicles, but how do you think you're going to get customers to adopt the all-EV lifestyle that currently has, say, a gasoline-powered Acura? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we're lucky because we've already um, you know, started uh, reservations for ZDX. So at some level, we have a pretty good understanding of uh, the demand and, and kind of the reaction to the vehicle. So you know, many customers have actually reserved uh, their vehicle already. Uh, and we believe that there's actually some pent up demand for EVs from Acura. Uh, and ZDX is really just gonna be uh, a great foundation uh, for the launch of our first all-electric vehicle, um, you know, in addition, I think you know, there's, uh, you know, we're offering a really uh, robust charging solutions because, you know, I think one of the biggest things that you know uh, non-EV buyers are worried about is how do I charge? Where do I get the charging equipment? So uh, we're providing those charging solutions as uh, bundles uh, when they purchase the ZDX. So um, that'll include things um, like a, a portable cord set type of uh, bundle. Uh, the home charging 240 volt installation in their house. We also set up the professional installation. And then we also will have EVgo public charging credits. Uh, but really, actually, no matter which of those three options the customer chooses, everyone at some level comes with public charging credits because we know that's critical. So we've kind of really thought about those charging solutions, what's going to be the best route for them. And like I said, that comes included in the price of the ZDX when they purchase. All right, that sounds good. Uh, I need one of those home chargers myself, but it's going to be a little bit of an electrical nightmare getting my house up to code, so sometime soon. It's it's really good to hear that too, because I feel like that's uh, 
that's one of the main questions that I always get from people who are hesitant to make the EV jump, right? Is like, well, how do I install a home charger? So Vecure is already addressing that as part of a, a package with ZDX. And, you know, you're, you're making it that much easier for them to understand it. Yeah, we actually have, it's called, a, you know, Acura uh, Home Electric uh, website or platform uh, that, yeah, that, that the users can go to. Um, they can get uh, connected with what we're calling energy advisors that can explain all those things to them and then uh, connected to a professional installer in the area. Um, so, yeah, that's a, it's a great service that we're offering. That's, that's excellent. That's really good to hear. Thanks, John. Uh, so I'm going to ask the next question. And I mean, it's, it's no secret that the ZDX is uh, on a partnership platform. And so what I want to ask is, how are you differentiating it from the other products on that platform? Uh, that's another great question. Um, so yeah, it, like you said, it's no secret, um, you know, that we worked, uh, you know, we did co-development um, with GM, but that's exactly what it is. It's, it's, it's a complete um, co-development. There's no uh, badge engineering done here. Uh, from the onset, um, Honda Action and Acura actually assigned um, key engineers uh, to the development of ZDX, and many of them actually moved to Michigan. Um, and whether that was from Ohio or even Japan, right? So they actually moved their families, their lives to go work hand in hand uh, with the uh, you know engineering team at General Motors, uh, and and that really what that did is that allowed them to have you know a lot of control as to you know what the styling of the of the vehicle is going to look like, uh, and to ensure that it looks, feels, and most importantly drives like an Acura. And, and also I might add too uh, that the styling, uh, we've talked about this publicly, is that the, the actual styling uh, was executed by our uh, Acura design team, uh, our design studio right in Los Angeles. Uh, and, and again, if you look at the car, it's very unique, uh, but yet it fits in the Acura design language. Um, and you know, again, the, the tuning specifications and features um, are really what's gonna make the you know, ZDX unique from the other products on, the, on that platform. Yeah, mm -hmm. just before this call started, Kyle and I actually talking about how it does look unique from some, you know, distant cousin products that it's shared with. So, and I, I totally see like a little RDX, uh, MDX in there. So it definitely seems to, to flow with the family. Also some TSX uh, sport wagon, if we really want to go a little old school. I, I see like a little bit of that. Yeah. That actually, <laughs> that's a perfect transition to the next question, Kyle. So um, okay. speaking of things from the past, why bring back the ZDX name? Uh, yeah, that's that's a again all great questions here, guys. Uh, you know that that one though, I want to make it clear is that you know it wasn't just uh, you know marketing uh, buzz. You know, let's just pick something out of the sky. Um, you know, when we were in development of this vehicle, um, you know, we really looked at a lot of different options, and for given what the vehicle was and what we were trying to achieve, the name made a lot of sense, uh, including the fact that the original ZDX. Um, was this boldly styled crossover like coupe? Um, now, of course, the new vehicle isn't an exact, uh, you know, replica of the previous ZDX. That wasn't the intent, but but it does share a lot of the same kind of bold, you know, crossover coupe like styling. Um, and then also, and this may be uh, not so well known, is you know, as we knew uh, this was going to be a battery electric vehicle, uh, we really wanted to play up the the Z and the ZDX meaning zero emissions, right? So. Uh, for us, it really did kind of serve dual purpose, and uh, that helped to set the concept uh, for this new ZDX. That, uh, 
you know what? I really want to follow that up with with another insight, and that is again just this next question of just uh, talking about the old model and how it influenced you know naming the new one. Um, do you think the original ZDX was ahead of its time? Absolutely, <laughs> uh, and, and, and in fact, and in fact, maybe too far ahead of its time, but. But I will say that that original ZDX essentially established, you know, what is now this common crossover coupe segment. I mean, there there were very few other players in the market at the time, and now just about every brand has uh, a version of it, and some brands have multiple sizes of the same, you know, concept. So, uh, yeah, I think that you know it launched ahead, which could have been you know deemed polarizing for some, but it's interesting to see that it really set the stage for this new segment. Yeah, I agree. I, I remember when it came out, um, I think the X6 was the only other vehicle at the time that had that sort of styling and and everyone was not sure about it. But like you said, I think it was too early because if you brought it out now, it'd probably sell like crazy because everyone is doing it. But it's hard being the first sometimes with things. So I, I fully get it. Um, so uh, with the new ZDX, who what what competitors do, do you feel you're uh, targeting? Like who's your main competition? Oh, do we lose them? Oh, he's back. Oh, oh, still here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So as far as uh, the, the competition, um, it it's amazing to think that just even, what, three to five years ago, um, half the cars I'm going to name didn't even exist. So, right. So this is a, a burgeoning segment that continues to grow. There's always going to be new competitors coming in. Um, but, yeah, it's going to go up against some really strong competition. And several of them are, you know, premium uh you know ev suv so of course you know we're not going to admit tesla right so so the model y um is going to be a good competitor um something like maybe the genesis g v uh 70 ev um the audi e-tron uh so products like that right you know similar um you know five passenger two row mid-size crossovers with you know roughly you know, 300 miles of range and, you know, uh, you know, roughly, you know, a really good driving performance. I think that's kind of the heart of this, of this premium segment. And, and that's what we're going to be targeting. All right. Well, yeah, like you said, there's a, there's a lot showing up in a, in a really quick succession here. So it's, um, it's, it's good to see that Acura is going for, you know, the heartland to start off. I think that's a, a smart move and yeah. Um, I'm going to ask a slightly similar question uh, for, as a follow-up to that. And mm -hmm. I mean, with the ZDX Type S in particular, would you really refer to that as kind of the new flagship model for Acura with the NSX uh, now discontinued? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, so essentially when uh, we launched the MDX, right, uh, as, as, a, as a new full redesign, you know, 2022 model year, and the MDX Type S, our first Type S SUV, uh, we cemented MDX, you know, its role in the lineup as the flagship for Acura. And that is that is going to remain true even after the launch of ZDX Type S. And you probably heard in the news recently that we've got some pretty good, exciting uh, updates coming to the MDX. You know, we can't talk about that just yet. But, um, yeah, we're, we're still positioning the MDX as the true flagship. So since we're on Type S, um, you have many type s in the the fleet do you have a favorite or is that just too hard to pick oh yeah yeah if i again like i said i was lucky uh 
you know, I, I've worked in uh, product planning for uh, quite some time. And, you know, during my time, I was working on the sedan lineup. So I was the planner for both the TLX Type S and the Integra Type S. And like I said, I personally own an Integra Type S. So, uh, you know, that's definitely one of my favorites. But they're all unique. And, and it's just great to see so many versions of uh, Type S, you know, back in the lineup. Uh, and now we're going to have our first electric Type S in the lineup. So I, I like the idea that there's something for everybody. Uh, and, and we hope that, you know, people will consider, uh, you know, moving into that premium performance. That was a, a, a very uh, uh, safe answer, Jonathan. You don't want to you don't want to pick a favorite kid, right? <laughs> yeah, it's got to got to treat them all equal. But no, like I said, I, I, I went ahead and. Uh, you know, like I said, Integra Type S was really special for me working on that. And then, you know, like I said, I went and purchased my own. So, yeah. I mean, that's yeah, we fair. Yeah, we have to be as, as diplomatic. Uh, Kyle, I know, has his favorite Type S for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It's Which the is? Integra. The Integra okay. was my car of the year last year, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we'll see how our actual car of the year plays out. But yeah, that was okay. that was my top pick. Yeah, I mean, if I lived in California, yeah, Integra for sure. But being in Toronto with our uh, unpredictable weather, I think the TLX is so underrated and with the all wheel drive and put on some winter tires, it'd be my perfect all year car. Gotta love that uh, shot and torque vectoring. It, it plays wonders in the winter as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I put it in sport mode and you could get the car sideways if you wanted. Not that you're supposed to do that, but yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the questions we have. So thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, you actually gave us some really good insight into the, the upcoming launch of the vehicle. We look forward to uh, getting to test it ourselves uh, down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, thanks so for having for... me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Jonathan. All right. Welcome back. Um, that was a, a great interview. I think we learned a lot. We're going to move on to what would normally be viewer questions, but since this uh, podcast is brand new and we haven't actually had one live yet, we are going to go with another question that um, Kyle and I were kind of discussing. And maybe you can um, chime in yourself in the comments or send us a, a message on any of our social media channels. We were trying to figure out because there's fear and fear on the road. What will be the last V8? We don't mean like specialty boutique cars that still, you know, use V8s or license it from someone to still be able to make their own, but mass-produced cars. Um, Kyle, I'll let you go first. All right. Well, I mean, let's also add that, yeah, things that are used for commercial purposes, we're not going to include either, right? Like, uh, like maybe Ford will keep a, a five-liter F-150 around for the end of time because fleets buy them. Uh, so. Knowing what I think your answer is going to be, I'm going to try and go in a different direction. And I say, yeah, no, it's still going to be a truck. It's it's going to be a truck. That, yeah. Because <laughs> it, it kind of has to be, right? Like there, there's reasons. It's very easy to justify getting rid of V8s in cars these days. Um, I guess maybe it could be an SUV. It could be something like, uh, nope, I was going to say the Navigator and it's already not using a V8. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah so, I, I uh, think we're Yeah, I think we're stuck with the same. I mean, I get even more specific. Um I put my money on GM. I know there's still some V8 uh, twin turbos in Europe. Um but I mean we, we talked about the Hurricane in the Grand Wagoneer earlier. I mean if Stellantis is getting that kind of power out of it, there's no reason they can't get similar power which would replace their V8s. So mm -hmm. for me it's it's going to be General Motors, I think, um, on a, a mass market. And we're, of course, we're also talking gas only, not not diesel here, but they're the only one of the big three that haven't changed their trucks to some sort of turbo six yet as the standard engine. They're still offering a range of V8s. And, and I honestly think it's because of the Corvette. Um, the Camaro's dying. 
I know the Corvette went mid-engine and to a lot of people that was like, oh, I can't believe it. But I just can't imagine there ever being a Corvette without a V8 of some kind. I know there's the the E-Ray that's hybrid and then there might be a fully electric down the road, but I still think there, there'll always be a V8 in it unless you know we get to the year when gas doesn't exist. But I think it'll be the one that holds out the longest. But to be able to rationalize the cost, as you said, the trucks, I think, still need to use it because making one V8 for one car that admittedly sells a lot for a sports car, still, I don't think it would be there. So yeah, I think they'll keep phasing out over the next 10 years and that Corvette will hang on as long as it can before it's sort of the last. I And I don't think it'll be a, a case of it downsizing to a Turbo 6 or anything. I think it'll be V8, 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 and then EV. That's, uh, you know what, now that you you just jogged my memory there, where uh, the Mustang is probably pretty high up for me for similar reasons, where Ford really hammers home the point that, you know, a GT is a V8. Uh, but I can't imagine that being the case for the next generation, where it won't have some level of hybridization. Uh, so the last pure V8, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Corvette, it, like what you said. It, it makes the most sense. Yeah, like the, the current, the new Mustang, I mean... It's no secret. It's very much the last Mustang slightly modified, well, not slightly, but modified because they don't want to invest a new platform. And it's mm-hmm. probably because they're, I, I, yeah, I can't imagine the Mustang name going away. I mean, you have the Mach-E, so is that how it lives on and the car doesn't exist? But at the start, you talked about Ford's five liter and that's sort of, they still have the business case because the F-150 and commercial trucks have that as an option for the mm-hmm. sort of easy maintenance so it can go in the car. But same thing, as soon as it leaves the trucks, it's not going to stick around just for the Mustang. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I think it'll be a battle between those two. I and it, I mean it's America. Like we're going to hold on to our V8s as long as we can. Europe and I mean, over in Asia, they're they're pretty much off V8s. There's I'm trying to think. Is there any once Toyota finishes with the Tundra V8, the Lexus V8? That's oh yeah, that'll, that'll stick around for. I, I mean, I hope forever because the LC. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, think no, that's... I think those days are numbered too. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think, okay, so we're settled. US V8, I mean, it, it makes sense. Yeah, um, probably an okay. LS of some kind or an LP <laughs> now. Sorry, I forgot to change the, the update. Yeah. All right. Um, so like I said, if you ever have questions, let us know because we will gladly answer them as long as we can or they're, you know, good enough to have on air. Um, <laughs> before we wrap up for the week, let's just quickly discuss what's coming up uh, in the future. So this week... We are each driving our own vehicle. As I mentioned last week, I didn't have one, but I ended up securing a uh, a Mazda CX-50 Meridian. It's not a new trim, but we did a very brief comparison against the Forester back in the day. We haven't had a long term. So I was happy to get it because I said then, and driving it a bit, I still fully agree. It's the CX-50 to get. That SUV is way too um, stiffly sprung for an SUV. It's almost like sports car stiff when you're driving on some roads. And I know it's supposed to be a sportier SUV and it feels like it, but it was too much. And then with the Meridian, with the suspension changes and the all-terrain tires, it's the perfect mix. Um, it's still responsive. It's still pretty quick with the turbo engine, uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's more livable. Um, my specific example has a tent on the roof because it's sticking around from the summer and it's you know below freezing outside. So I don't think I'll get to use it, but it, it looks like I'm very active and cool. Yeah, yeah, that's great. It's only the coldest single week that we've had so far. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I uh, I love how that thing looks. Um, I also am a fan of 
the looks of my car this week, which is the Alfa Romeo Tonale. Uh, that's the plug-in hybrid. So plug-in hybrid is standard in the US, but in Canada, we also get the regular turbo four-cylinder as well. Either way, plug-in, I picked it up with not a whole lot of charge left. So I haven't done a full charge to really get an idea of the range on just electric power, but um, it's that really nice green that looks Excellent. Oh, yeah. And I have only driven it for a little bit, but so far I'm impressed. I think the tough thing for the Tonale, and this is totally an inside baseball thing, that journalists know that it's related to the Dodge Hornet. And so that makes it seem less special and less premium. But to the average person, if you're cross shopping this and let's say a BMW X1 or the Mercedes GLP, those sorts of things, Audi Q3, um, it's a nice space. It's it's fun and it feels very distinctly sporty, like having the start stop button on the steering wheel. Did it make me search around for it the first time that I got in the car? Of course, but it's it's a fun little thing in the DNA knob to change the driving modes. It's I'm looking forward to putting more time in it in the weekend because yeah. so far I think it's a, a likable enough little car. Yeah, I was on the I was on the launch and I agree. It's not gonna like uh, reconfigure the landscape for sporty little SUVs, but it is definitely uh, more performance driven than say pure comfort and space. And I think, and it looks great, like you said. So for the family that's looking for something premium that looks good and there's a little bit of fun for their, you know, the two people or a couple of little kids, it, it works. Yeah. Um, so next week, uh, I can't remember what you're driving, but I know I, I'm packing a giant SUV. It seems to this be happening a lot. I'm in the GLS 580 for Mercedes. So that's not quite the top dog in the line, but I'm looking forward to it because uh, as we said earlier, I was recently been in the Grand Wagoneer L and they're not direct competitors. One's a truck based, one's not. But price wise and size wise, they could be cross shopped. And I know they mm -hmm. have a different different market, but they it'd be interesting to see what how they compare. So I'm looking forward to that. What are you driving? I'm driving something entirely practical. I'm driving a Jaguar F-Type. Oh, yep. convertible. I can, I, I'm pretty sure it's a convertible. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a yeah, 575. You better drive that top down. Yeah, I will, unless it's actively snowing, I'll do it. But a 575 horsepower convertible in January in Toronto. So I'm I'm looking forward to really uh, pushing that out. I, I had a lot of fun driving a convertible last month. So uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I won't get to drive it for two days, however, because I will be on a trip. Uh, I will be heading down to the States to test the uh, the wholly redesigned 2024 Lexus GX. Oh, I'm looking forward to hear about that because, uh, yeah, redesign's an understatement. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's very different. So, yeah, um, and good luck with your convertible. Uh, I'm sure you have, you know, like 305 uh, winter tires on there, so you'll be fine. It's actually yeah. supposed to snow a bit next week, but I think you'll be on your trip, so you might have to dig it out when you get home. Perfect. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for this week. So thank you again for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. This has been the second episode of the Auto Guide Show brought to you by eBay Motors. And if you have any questions for us about our cars that we're going to be driving this week or anything at all, really, including our, our listener question, just shoot them off to the uh, social media pointing that way. There we go. Yeah. There, right there. My... Yeah. And, and for people who aren't watching the video, there's I guess. Kyle's. Yeah. Just... Uh, on Mike Twitter. Schley. Yeah, at Mike Sway on the artist formerly known as Twitter. And mine is uh, at Kyle M. Patrick. And yeah, that's, uh, that's well, all I have to add, Mike. 
Yours is easy to say. Mine's so it's S C H L E for last name. And on Instagram, I am Mike underscore Schley. Um, I'm not on there as much, but like I said, send us a message. Let us know how it's going. All right. See you later. So long. Thank you once again for listening and watching the Auto Guide Show, brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a driveway entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with the eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.